The following is a continued reading of the chapter, The City of the Sun, from the book, Journey into Deep Memory. The South Gate We head south past bustling, lively avenues and through the outskirts of the east section of the city. Our course set towards the second gate of ritual. Upon arrival, we pause to behold the full magnificence of this gate with its powerful pillars sunk into the earth, its stones etched with intricate carvings, and its sweeping arches framing the serene landscape of gentle, vibrant green hills beyond. There is the soft blue ribbon of a river flowing in the distance, and the beauty of it all moves my heart. Just inside the gateway, there is a plaza where I see many people swaying, their voices weaving together to create a complex, harmonic, and transcendental melody. The Elder Speaks. This is a space for dancing. Dancing is, in essence, the expression of the heart's joyousness. The sacred ritual of dance invigorates one's being by changing their spirit with infinite life, with charging their spirit with infinite life force and energy that generates in their entire physical body. There is so much potential power to tap into here that one must prepare themselves before beginning. Even the power of the voices alone creates a potent intensity to the extent that everyone seems to be glowing. In this plaza there are seating areas where individuals who are weak, depleted, despairing, or have forgotten something of their internal truth, may sit to bask in the waves of energy being generated by all those around them. This southern quadrant of the city is dedicated to the development and education of medicine and healing. The people here use both medicinal compounds sourced from the natural world and the miraculous vibrations of sound to heal. Masters teach physiology and also educate on the powerful conscious life force that is housed within the living body. These healers are advanced masters. Healers who tend to the ill, the forgotten, and those suffering amnesias live here and will treat those who seek them. Illness is considered the result of lapsing into unconsciousness, a symptom of the amnesia that onsets when one has been separated from infinite source for too long. There are many who suffer from this, having strayed too far from the rituals. There are those who are simply physically wounded or have been exposed to harsh environmental conditions for too long. There are also creatures on this earth which are very dangerous and create injury to some unfortunate ones. 
Now the elder draws my attention to a wounded person with a nearly fatal deep gash. A practitioner begins to heal him using sound vibrations to accelerate the cellular regeneration. The skin seals almost instantly into a white line. The elder continues speaking. The South also houses its own builders who erect structures atop the foundations laid by the workers of the East. They fashion buildings that are designed to be extensions of the human form, with windows for eyes, stones for bones, and walls that envelop space like large protective arms to embrace the fragile bodies of those inside. There are regions of the South dedicated to the growing and gathering of vegetables, fruits, and medicinal plants. There are many that pass through the working gates every morning to tend to ripening orchards, and those too that stay to prepare and preserve the bounty that is harvested. This place is so very joyful, emanating a powerful and uplifting energy that propels life forward and cultivates an environment of active creation, restoration, and healing. The ember of this intention is continuously fanned by the waves of energy emitted by the ceremonies at the entrance area, the transformative dancing and singing. This elevated state of being exists when the soul is renewed, enlivened, and released. When it remembers that at its genesis, there was only one purpose, and that was to exist joyously. Any being who spends enough time here will eventually find peace. Many stay here until they are awakened, and then go forth from this sacred city to return to their homes where they remain aware. They remain aware of their responsibility to prioritize the maintenance of the state of peace. They return home nurtured and reminded of how it feels to live this state of peace and be flooded with it through their time in the south quadrant of the city of the sun. Now we are halting at the outskirts of this region. Before we begin the journey towards the west gate, we turn to gaze back. Sunlight illuminates its brightly colored fields and spidery paths. Its streets sparkle with movement and laughter peals like bells through the air. Everything is magical and so dazzlingly alive this is the highest form of life. The West Gate. We are standing facing backwards on the path that travels the perimeter of the city. Even though I return on a new day in my current life's timeline, 
I am brought back to the exact physical stance I adopted at the end of the last session. As my surroundings become more distinct, I turn around and begin to follow the stream of elders who appear distant, almost opaque, resembling a fluid wind of luminous shapes. I concentrate my gaze upon one of them individually, who assumes a singular form, but viewed in mass they are a moving river of white forms. The elder wordlessly reminds me that they are not shaped around a skeleton as I am, as a gravitational form. They are non-gravitational forms. We wind our way through a maze of buildings, the once obvious path becoming less distinct. Sometimes it is clearly there before me and sometimes nearly disappearing. The voice of the elder is touched with a hint of humor as he says, This path purposely splits into a kind of labyrinth as we approach the west. You are meant to get lost here. You're meant to feel unsettled, unsure, and disoriented. This is the place where structure dissolves and where the security of that which is known is stripped away. This is where all of the unconscious patterns get disturbed, rearranged, abolished, and scattered to the wind by the power of this gate, which serves as a portal. The lack of structure inherent to the West quadrant is designed to support deep investigation through the upheaval of unconscious tendencies. For awareness must be refined and perception clarified in order to make space for the soul to shine through. It is not the intention in the divine plan for a soul to remain trapped in a loop of unconsciousness, repetitively manifesting. I am watching as our guides, the elders, begin to disperse, milling about through the alleyways and gradually disappearing. They leave in their wake a great consuming silence. I still see figures roaming about, yet their movements do not make any sound. There is a heavy solemnity to the atmosphere of this sector, and even the main road that leads inward to the center, towards the city's center, is barely visible and not easily found. Though I do not consciously remember approaching the gate, I am here. I do not really know yet what I'm seeing, how I arrived and where I am, or who I am following. The gate now comes into focus, imposing itself upon all my senses. Its wide frame is formidable, built with what appears to be enormous blocks of shining black granite. There is a powerful simplicity to its design, 
with very straight lines. Smooth pillars grooved together seamlessly and a slight bending arch. It seems to exude a tamasic, more symbolic masculine energy. The gates of the east and south were designed to perfectly frame the landscape beyond. Here there is not much to see, for the land seems to rise up, forming a hill that obstructs my vision. With the absence of a significant vista to behold, looking outwards through the gate further solidifies my sense of disorientation. I am hearing that they call this the gate of death. Though the word idea, death, assumes a different and more symbolic, subtle form in this context. The elders are speaking now, though not visibly present. Death is departure. Death is transformation. Death is the parting of ways, the splitting of atoms, and the detachment and transcendence from the bondage in duality. The non-material soul bound to the material form. This is the gate of power, the power of liberating energy from its form and liberating consciousness. To free the soul of its persistent shadows and re-immerse it into the flow of energetic divine consciousness. When released from the burden of living as an isolated egoic self, one may find true freedom. In the West, the masters teach of the origins of death and its most original purpose. Death, in the beginning, was infrequent because the first embodiments were only lightly cloaked in physical matter. It was not seen as a calamitous tragedy when death occurred, but rather as a conscious choice to release, made by those that needed to sever their bondage to the duality of energy and form. In order to be renewed, transformed, and recharged, one must first let go of habitual beliefs, thoughts, and feelings that have formed. Here, beings learn to shed their old patterns just as trees shed their dying leaves in autumn. Upon the great compass, this is the checkpoint at which awareness must turn inward to face any shadows and focus fearlessly on dissolving anything that creates bondage or leads to unconsciousness. Their bodies will eventually die and decay, but not as rapidly or frequently as they do in the modern era you are currently living in. 
They can be killed, too. But murder seldom occurs. In fact, murder is almost non-existent. For killing is not the natural instinct of these beings. When a soul has departed its earthly shell, there is no elaborate ceremony, nor grievous mourning over their departure. All corpses are carried through the black gate of the west to be buried amongst the hills and offered back to the earth. Lifeless bodies are seen as completely inanimate. They are merely substance of the earth. It is only the bodies that are carried through the gate, not the souls. For the soul's journey is to find their place resting among the stars. The elder shows me a visual of what happens when bondage is broken and the energetic soul is separated from the physical body. I see two points of light flying in opposite directions. One enters the earth, the other is pulled towards the flame in the center of the city. There it merges with the flame and is instantly transported beyond the sun to dissolve into the sea of universal energy, the sun behind the sun. elder continues to speak. There are those here that perpetually hold vigil, for it is their sacred duty to tend to the flame and usher souls beyond. The separation from an embodiment is a significant honored stage in every soul's journey, especially here where death is far less frequent. There are those whose task it is to carry soulless bodies out through the gate. And there are those that sing to summon the bodiless souls towards the central fire. This sector of the city houses individuals that are approaching the end of their physical lifespan and must make the decision to let go. There are also people who have suffered grave accidents, chronic terminal illnesses, who are dying, either by choice or not, and are being tended to palliatively. There are a great many temples and sacred spaces in the West for those approaching departure from whatever means, or even just facing the possibility of departure and the opportunity to rest and reflect. This city is not a place of perfection where consciousness blossoms idyllically in each being but rather a place of spiritual progress. 
This is a seed city nurtured by the elders. A place for humanity to be infused with truth. Many travel from far beyond the boundaries of this city and do not live here. The ones that gather here differ widely in either direction on a vast spectrum of personal awareness and conscious development. There are those that have wandered far from equilibrium and are close to death, whose bodies are sickened as a result of their lack of life force. This center of healing is a place where the soul as well as the body is treated. Each individual is reminded of all that they are and are given the choice to stay or to depart. At this most powerful time of choice, one could stand on tiptoe, leaning over the edge of the precipice of death. And then upon deciding to re-enter life, be whirled around by the healing force of sound and light. Beyond the healing centers for the contemplation of and assistance in dying, the rest of the West Sector is focused on completion of the processes initiated in other sectors. The workers who live here build roofs atop the structures begun by the laborers of the South and East and store and process everything that was harvested. A food crop at harvest is in transition, just as the body approaching death is in transition. And so the tasks associated with this aspect of a plant's life cycle falls into the domain of the West. Departure or transition is the unbinding of form and the release of energy into the collective power of life itself. This is a concept that is deeply upheld and understood here. Now I am watching an elder, one of the formless ones, housed in a non-gravitational body. This elder is dissolving into light. It causes a surge of space inside of me and almost a thrill of freedom. The elder, my teacher, speaks. It is common to leave behind these bodies sometimes. Though in these instances, one may choose not to dissolve their body completely, but rather leave it behind in the cone huts of the north, where it will remain inanimate and lightless, awaiting the return of the soul. Do not fear death. 
The fear of death is a natural instinct of the physical body and has been conditioned into the collective consciousness of humanity through the eras. As with all other animals, these human bodies are designed to fight for life and avoid dying. Death is seen as the enemy of the embodied being. Do not feed this belief. Death is not an ending to be avoided at all cost or defended against. To die is to remember and to rest in formlessness, preparing to continue refining consciousness, charting the course of the larger evolutionary journey. The gatekeepers of the West are profound teachers, continually soothing and informing. There is no space held for grief here. Grief is considered an act of unconsciousness, a sign of too much attachment to the whims of the emotional physical body. Without sufficient communication with or trust in the undying light body, We stand for a moment longer at the black gate, watching the sun sink down behind the hill and the night sky rising. The gate disappears, consumed by darkness. The elder's voice. You are out there, part of the night sky, just as much as you are here. You are part of this vastness. The elders surround us, gather us back into their circle. The darkness seems to deepen even further, becoming all-encompassing and velvety black. We move blindly, but with trust through this darkness walking through emptiness towards the north gate. It is a long journey, but this matters not, for we're not trudging along with weary feet. We are floating effortlessly, unbound and released from gravity. The North Gate Though the darkness still surrounds us, I can still somehow see the dwellings here. Not so much with my eyes, but rather displayed on the screen of my mind. They are like a honeycomb of beehive or cone-shaped caves. The elder speaks. These are not natural caves. They have been built for a purpose. They are called the Caves of Wisdom, where the elders and their students work to record and internalize sacred knowledge. The purpose here is to imprint enlightened truth 
into the foundations of the collective consciousness of the human spirit, into the unitive state of mankind. The caves of wisdom fade from my internal screen now, and I become aware that we are standing at the gate of the north in a softening darkness. It's two pillars framed by the light of dawn creeping up from behind the hills. There is no arch or wall, and the pillars flank an opening that give way to a mysterious avenue of white stone that stretches on and on past the limits of my vision. I'm told that the path leads far out into the country to a ceremonial site with a pool of sacred water. The elder speaks. This is the gate of the wisdom keepers and the scribes. The elders do not live permanently in this city. They come from down the long white road, which is named the infinite road of truth. The road leads to a beautiful crystal clear pool whose surface mirrors the universe. The elders live in this universe, in truth itself, unbound to form. There are huts within the city that are temporarily inhabited by elders for several periods of time, even when they are housed here in a physical form, they are in a meditative presence, humming with the force of truth like generators. This northern sector of the city is sacred and is not cluttered or busy, for it in itself is the message. Once one has become willing to exist apart from their body and has consciously liberated themselves of their unconscious patterns of thought and constructs of their egoic self, this is where they arrive. This is the meaning of the wisdom of the North. They then gain the freedom to walk uninhibited down the infinite white road. The north quadrant is full of fragrant, blossoming flowers. The caretakers that tend to the gardens predominantly plant a species of white blooms that symbolize purity, the liberation of the soul, and the gradual flowering of consciousness through evolution. Their delicate petals embody the essence of a soul that is unbound to form and has transcended beyond duality. Though it is far away, the pool sparkles in the distance, serenely reflecting the skies. It is a fathomless deep well whose source is from the depths of the earth. 
and just like that I'm left, standing alone in the brilliance of the morning sunshine, gazing down that infinite road of truth. The friend breaks me out of my enchanted experience of gazing down the white road with her bubbly presence and avid questions. Where was this city? The friend exclaimed. Is it even possible to ask this? And when in linear time did it exist? All I can do is ask, said the listener. We may get an answer or not. It is an amazing journey, walking around the city, seeing all the details. I wish you could see it as I do. I close my eyes, opening myself and offering our questions. I am instantly in front of the elder. The elder speaks. This city is a blueprint that has been recreated many times, in many forms, and with many different interpretations. It is like a grid for conscious existence that has been implanted deep into the collective consciousness, coded into human genetics. This city existed in stability for a very long span of time. Even when its era ended, it was not actually destroyed, but rather abandoned. To place the city in time would challenge humanity's theory of origin. The human being's psyche lives in such a small box of perception. The city was built far before the ice ages, far before the mountains rose up from the plains, far before the earth broke apart. This was a first city, though it took a long time for it to assume the structure you have witnessed on your journey around its perimeter with the elders. It was constructed, built upon, and refined slowly over an extremely long span of time. We could say that this was one of the longest occupied city sites. The earth was very stable at this time. The wind was gentle, the temperature mild, with very little precipitation and very little change. It was a gestational time, so to speak, both for the Earth's body and for humanity. It was known by the great teachers that dwelt in this city that the Earth would eventually begin to churn and stir its landmass breaking into pieces in order to facilitate the next phase of human expression, which was to diversify and separate further into individuality. When the time did come and turmoil was unleashed by the elements, there was a massive migration and many souls chose to depart the earthly realm. The life force that once animated and invigorated these beings, that ultimately departed, began to dim and draw upwards during the Earth's transition. The city, which had for so long been a safe haven, was now exposed and the Earth's conditions were becoming volatile. There are stories of this upheaval stored in the Grand Library. 
and also held within you. I cannot give you a precise answer to your question of where this city was, because there is no where that could be pointed to. The city was built on the sweet spot, shall we say, of the Earth's original unified form. It was the mildest, most stable location, perfectly between the poles at that point and aligned with the meridian lines. This sacred site was in such strong resonance with the core of this planet that a constant pillar of energy radiated outwards towards the galaxy. This place no longer exists. It has been lost. The city's bones lie broken, buried beneath mountains and seas. Do not try to locate it now. The white road of the north was the magnum opus of this city's construction. It was built to be an infinite, eternal creation. This monument has made its way into the legends and sacred stories of nearly every culture.